This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, January 26, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. Super PACs are the scourge of this election season. That's if you believe that speaking more freely in favor of or against candidates can be a scourge. Steve Simpson is a senior attorney at the Institute for Justice. Super PACs are one of the products of the case that he won before the D.C. Circuit Court, known simply as SpeechNow.org. Super PACs are uh, sort of the scourge that is widely believed to have been caused uh, by Citizens United, but they're actually kind of your fault. I mean, to the extent that people don't like them, then blaming Steve Simpson might be a good idea. People are trying to steal our thunder. We're the evil conspiracy behind uh, super PACs in that we litigated along with the Center for Competitive Politics, Brad Smith and and others out there, uh, on behalf of a guy by the name of David Keating, who wanted to put together a group uh, that could um, associate with others and speak free of contribution limits. And the law prior to uh, the Speech Now case, that was the group that he set up, uh, was that individuals could spend as much money as they wanted on independent speech, but if they joined with one other person, suddenly they were limited to $5,000 apiece. David thought that was a bad idea. We litigated it to the D.C. Circuit and won the case, and that was what paved the way for super PACs. And the case stopped there. Yes, it did. Uh, the the uh, we we won. the The FEC did not appeal. Um, we appealed part of the decision uh, that involved uh, disclosure. Well, pack uh, burdensome pack requirements for groups like this. The Supreme Court did not take that up. So um, that essentially um, allowed for the creation of what has come to be known as super PACs. Now, uh, Stephen Colbert has made a great comedic hay out of the fact that he has tried to start a super PAC, but um, it's it's still kind of interesting when he's talking about people being able to participate in elections and speak freely. He actually had to hire uh, one of the most expensive and best campaign finance attorneys to start his super PAC, which seems like if you didn't like the complicated uh, campaign finance system that existed before, super PACs are at best sort of getting you halfway there toward truly free political speech. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Stephen Colbert did a very good job of making the Supreme Court's point for it uh, when uh, in Citizens United, the court spent a lot of time talking about how complicated the campaign finance laws were and how difficult it made uh, the situation for anybody who wants to gather together and exercise their rights to free speech. And he found that out when he had to hire a campaign finance lawyer to navigate these Byzantine and complicated rules. Super PACs are kind of a halfway measure in the sense that they they resulted, the proximate cause is the speech now case that we litigated and certainly uh, helped along by uh, the Citizens United decision. But if you don't like super PACs, really you should be blaming the campaign finance laws themselves. You know, we've had this regime in place now for almost four decades Uh, It attempts to regulate all aspects of political spending and political uh, speech. And the result is something that shouldn't surprise us, a mess of laws that nobody can understand that complicate this process and ultimately don't do anything near what their proponents claim they're going to do, which is get, quote, money out of politics. Which on the one hand, if you're talking about uh, uh, too much influence in politics, at least there's some sense to that in, in that government has gotten too large and controls too much. But on the other hand, it's a completely meaningless expression. I mean, people want to speak out. They want to influence the political uh, um, 
seen. They want to influence government. It takes money to do that, like it or not. The New York Times has to spend a lot of money to publish a newspaper. If you want to reach a lot of people, you're going to have to spend money to do it. People are always going to try to find ways to do that. We ought to free them up and encourage them to do that in as efficient a manner as possible. What do you see as remaining limitations on uh, a move toward sort of the the full expression of the First Amendment when it comes to political speech? Citizens United went a long way toward making the case that we're protecting speech here. We're not protecting this speaker or that speaker or this group of speakers. We're talking about speech. What's left on the the frontier then to protect uh, freedom of speech? Yeah, uh, legally speaking, what's left is two things really. One is uh, unshackling organizations and individuals from enormously burdensome laws that require them to register with the the state governments or the federal government in order to speak, form uh, formal political committees and other all sorts of other types of groups and uh, and comply with all kinds of onerous uh, laws, disclosure laws among them. The second half, I think, uh, legally speaking, is getting rid of contribution limits. I mean, part of the reasons that uh, people are so complain so much about the so-called power of corporations and the power of super PACs is that candidates have and political parties have been limited in the amounts of money they can raise and spend on political speech. And now they're in the very awkward and uncertain position of having to compete with super PACs that can raise money much more efficiently. It's kind of funny. There's an irony there. You know, they have only themselves to blame. Um, But so legally speaking, those are the hurdles. And and we hope in the future, the Supreme Court and other courts will start to uh, erode those because they they continue to hamper the um, exercise of the right to free speech. Culturally speaking, it's a little more complicated than that because people have a hard time, I think, understanding that if we're going to have a big government, we shouldn't have a big government. But if we're going to have a big government, we're going to have people appealing to government for special favors. The solution to that is to limit the size and scope of government, not to limit people's ability to try to affect what government does. Now, you talked about how uh, the flow of funds might change uh, were we to allow people to make larger contributions or get rid of limits on contributions directly to to candidates. Uh, But it's not necessarily always going to be the case that more money would then flow to these candidates because the super PACs now, uh, so many of them are explicitly aligned uh, with the interests of particular candidates. Um, Maybe some of that money would just then go into um, perhaps more independent speech. Oh yeah, that's absolutely right. And and uh, you know you you can never predict what a quote market is going to do when you unshackle it from senseless regulations. And and the, the marketplace of ideas is not really fundamentally different. So we, in a regulated marketplace, people will spend the money where they are allowed to spend the money. But as a general matter, we know uh, uh, something a truth that's been uh, the case since the founding of the republic, which is that people want to affect what government does. And and they're going to they should be free to decide on an election by election and frankly minute by minute basis how they do that. Some are going to want to give money to political parties because the parties will express their views perfectly fine. Others will want to give it to the candidates themselves, but some are going to want to uh, to push their own message during a campaign that other people are not taking up for whatever reason. I mean, during the 2004 election we saw that with the Swift Vet um, you know, Swift Boat Vets, Veterans for Truth, MoveOn.org, all sorts of other groups that 
had single issues that they wanted to push during a campaign. Maybe this year we'll see people, uh, you know, the Tea Party speaking up. Maybe the Occupy Wall Street people will have their own views they want to they want to push. Maybe uh, some independent groups will want to criticize, say, Obamacare or or promote it and and uh, ask people to vote for Obama because of that. And for a wide variety of reasons, the the parties and the candidates aren't going to take those issues up. So people should have the freedom to do that themselves and to do it in an effective way. That's what super PACs ultimately allow them to do. Now, if you go back to 1992, just to see how things have changed uh, since then, Ross Perot ran for president largely on a single-issue platform in 92 and 96. Uh, 92, it was the deficit. And he bought 30 minutes of airtime at a time on national network television in order to make that case. Speech Now, Super PACs, just sort of extend that ability to individual groups who then don't have to run a candidate for president, but can uh, throw some money behind an issue that they really care about. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And you and I think that uh, uh, super PACs now give that ability to all Americans to kind of run an issue campaign. If you got rid of a lot of the limitations on uh, contributions directly to candidates or funding a political campaign, then the Ross Perots, who are the rich guys who can, who are fully allowed under their uh, under uh, the law to spend their own money uh, to try to get themselves elected, a Ross Perot can't finance another guy who might be a better candidate. So maybe a Steve Forbes or some other rich guy. I mean, on all sides, uh, George Soros, uh, you know, any real rich guy who has a particular perspective that he wants to see aired, but he's not maybe the best candidate for it. He can fund somebody else and allow them to do that. And then we wouldn't have a lot of these kind of oddball candidacies, these third-party candidacies um, run by people who are not likely to get elected, but still have an important perspective to offer to the political debates. And I think uh, that would be a heck of a lot more efficient than, than uh, what's going on now. Now, there is still this confusion um, about what super PACs do. And just to clarify for anybody who's interested in listening, uh, super PACs, contributions to super PACs, although you may be forgiven for making this error casually, are not contributions to candidates. And if you contribute to a super PAC, you are not necessarily uh, expressing support for a candidate. Yeah, the only the contributions to a super PAC are not fundamentally different than contributions to, say, the Institute for Justice or Cato or People for the American Way or any other advocacy group. The only difference is a, a 501c3 or a c4 like Cato or IJ or, or these other groups, they can't engage in what's known as express advocacy. So as a, as a matter of the tax laws, they're not allowed to say vote for or against a particular candidate. A super PAC is allowed to do that, and as a result, they don't get the same tax benefits that, that C4s get. But that's really the only difference. But in substance, what you're doing is you're giving money to another organization who can express your views, maybe more articulately, but certainly more efficiently, right, because they can amplify your views and, and broadcast them around the nation. But that's ultimately what the money is being spent on. It's very different to give money to a candidate directly or to give to a PAC that can then make contributions to a candidate. A, a super PAC cannot do that. They have to spend their money independently of the candidate. And it's only on that basis that they're allowed to raise unlimited amounts of money. If you give money to a PAC or a party committee that can give money to candidates, those uh, contributions to the, the organization are actually uh, limited. Other than that, super PACs operate just like normal PACs, same disclosure laws. This notion that super PACs get around disclosure is completely 
nonsensical. It's totally wrong. Uh, and there's just a lot of myths about this. Given the current state of the law, super PACs uh, also offer, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, something of a luxury to candidates. That is, when there's a super PAC that is effectively aligned with your candidacy, uh, you can go out and say nice things about yourself, and the super PAC that is aligned with you uh, can then go out and spend money attacking this other guy. It sort of allows politicians, uh, in many cases, not to really have to take responsibility for uh, attacks on their opponents. Yeah, I mean that, but that, that's kind of a double-edged sword. But yeah, you're absolutely right that uh, a super PAC can go out uh, as long as they do it independently, which means they're not actually working with the candidate. Um, and there can be no. I mean, there are all sorts of complicated rules on on maintaining independence and not coordinating expenditures with a candidate. But as long as they do it independently, um, they can basically, you know, in, they can be sort of the attack dog that the candidate uh, may not want to, um, you know, uh, and, and run the kinds of ads that the uh, that the candidate may want not want to do. On the other hand, a lot of independent groups can end up. Um, harming a candidate's message, even either because they they end up talking about issues that the candidate doesn't really want to have talked about, or uh, or uh, raising uh, issues, or even attacking one's opponent when uh, you know the candidate may want to keep the uh, the the campaign focused on issues. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, but that that certainly can happen. I mean, as a general matter, that's always going to be true if you have people able to. Um, uh, speak, uh, you know, independently of the candidates, and and media does things like that as well. So, uh, you know, if you don't like that sort of thing, the answer is free up candidates and groups and all entities, whether individual or group, to decide how they spend their campaign dollars, how they spend their speech dollars, and let the chips fall where they may. Steve Simpson is a senior attorney at the Institute for Justice. You can learn more about campaign finance reform at our website, cato.org.